Weekly News by iGaming Next is brought to you by Playson, quality games since 2012. This episode is sponsored by Zimpler. Ah, uh, goddammit, we started a little bit earlier than the countdown here, it was something too slow. Nico, it's great to see you, how are you doing? I'm good, I'm good. T today I'm, I'm super excited. I'm super excited as we have, uh, like every other week, quite some uh, decent and interesting topics to, to speak uh, about, uh, about putting ourselves on the hot seat. So shout out to our listeners as well. Uh, feel free to chat and to blame us for getting things wrong. Uh, especially for today, there might be the case <laughs> that we're getting some things wrong. So just feel free to interact with us. Uh, yeah, and anything else is good as well. Back in Munich, snowing outside, all good. Uh, so we're in the literally, you know, sliding towards Christmas. How about you, Pierre? How are you? Uh, fantastic to hear, uh, Nico. And as you say here today, uh, it's uh, a very interesting uh, kind of conversation that we have in front of us here today because we're going to do a deep dive into the world of AI. I don't think it has escaped anyone that uh, the launch of uh, ChatGPT um it's either being hailed as something that will change the world or the other side of the coin is that Meh, it's nothing really new and exciting so we're gonna do a little bit of a deep dive into uh, the world of ai today and the expectations here on the uh, chat gpt um as you may suspect uh of the uh, true to our argument next brand uh, we may be a bit biased towards really interesting and exciting new products but You'll, you'll have to stay and, uh, and see for yourself as well. Uh, second point as well, we have there's some really interesting uh, news this week and some really interesting uh, movements of the industry overall. I mean, today, just a couple of hours ago, it was announced that Catena Media uh, has finally sold off its uh, Ask Gamblers assets. This was Catena um, uh, Media's flagship uh, affiliation brand, Ask Gamblers, and uh, they announced even about a year ago that uh, they were intending to offload the Ask Gamblers brand to focus more on the North American uh, markets and the opportunities over there. And some quite interesting nuances there. The price seemingly is extremely low. Um, we're going to kind of analyze why that is in a little bit as well. Uh, point number three is uh, that uh, evolution. Uh, it's always a reoccurring topic here in the uh, argument next uh, news. They saw a, a bit of a, uh, a a bit of a panic attack here on the on the uh, stock markets the other day, where the uh, the share price dropped something like seven eight percent. Back on the news, basically that uh, the EU has now kind of rubber stamped the idea that uh, they are going to kind of harmonize the minimum corporate tax levels to a minimum of fifteen percent. And as many people know. Um, evolution is domiciled in Malta, and uh, here we have something that's called the impunation system, which means that uh, foreign companies, or rather companies that are deriving most of the revenues from, uh, from services and products abroad, uh, can apply essentially to uh, a rebate that will uh, get the tax rate down to 5% rather than the 35% uh, corporate tax rate that the rest of the Maltese um, population uh, and organizations have to pay. Uh, and finally as well, I think just taking a bit of a kind of macro perspective uh, on the world again, and it's certainly something that will uh, affect our little industry, is um, the fact that the Feds uh, over in the US uh, has raised the interest rates again uh, to the expected levels. They were expected to, uh, to increase the interest rate by 0.5% uh, or 500 basis points, as it's called. Um, however, what they are also hinting at is, is that these very, very high interest rates are going to stay for a longer period of time than people may have um, previously expected. And so we want to talk a little bit today as well, like, what does this mean? Like, uh, what, what, what does it mean when you in increase interest rates? Uh, why are the Feds doing this? And uh, what's the purpose? And how potentially will it affect the agri uh, industry? What do you think about that agenda, Nico? I think that's world-class, if you ask me. <laughs> indeed, indeed, it's world-class. It just <laughs> reads like an MBA course as well, right. you know, um, uh, coming up with some taxes, a minimum tax rate, then uh, speaking about inflation rate as, uh, uh, as well, and what the Fed and also the European Central Bank are doing, because they also announced like increasing um, 
the inflation, not the inflation rate, the interest rate to 2.5%. So keeping up with the uh, Fed as well, uh, following their footsteps. So as, as, as said, um, yeah, we can just, you know, uh, talk to the real deal, Nico. So your Nico on your side, okay. just cut out the pieces of the uh, taxes of evolution and the interest rate. And we'll just upload it to the uh, to any kind of Harvard business class and uh, just uh, take it from there. And if we can't Absolutely. make it, if we can't make it, we will just, you know, run or let uh, chat GPT run through it. And then, you know, we're done. Exactly. I mean, I don't want to kind of spoil the whole thing today, but actually it was ChatGPT who wrote this excellent world-class agenda for us today. <laughs> so everything is here here today is basically we are parroting the AI, essentially. Uh, Nico, nonetheless, uh, over to the human being here. Um, Nico, you have your classic 10 in 5 here, so I know that you have compiled 10 stories that have stood up to you in the agony industry in the last week. And as always, the clock is set for five minutes. Uh, it's something we never manage, but still, we're going to give it a shot today as well. So Nico, do you want to start today by just running through the 10 most interesting movements of yes. the industry in very short yeah. format here? All right. Kick me off. Good luck. Kick me off. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> okay, I will just start. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just gaining a little bit of seconds. It's good. It's good. It's good. So first of all, <laughs> we already spoke um, after the election in, in Brazil um, about um, iGaming and sports betting being uh, allowed in, in Brazil as of now. Uh, fact is, Brazil, uh, Brazil has missed the open goal to regulate sports betting, although uh, regulation had been in place since um, December 2017. They did not come up with the with uh, the regulatory framework. And they had a time of five years to actually finalize the framework. And this has run out by 12th of December, 2022. So as the uh, it was marked the last possible day for Brazil to approve its federal sports betting regime, which has not been approved. So there will be no sports betting in Brazil. We will just uh, see um, what Lula will uh, come up with. Then the GGL takes charge of German gambling's interstate duties. Germany's new regulator has taken full control of the duties outlined in the nation's fourth interstate gambling treaty, uh, shortcut Glühneu RSTV, with the Glücksspiel GGL becoming the common authority for German gambling. So each and everything will now be... Um, um, uh, decided and done in the world-class town of Halle. If you don't know it, look it up. It's awesome. So Jetpool, uh, Jetpool um, they are about to shut down their business. Uh, the online casino and sportsbook operator Jetpool has advised customer that it will cease operating at jetpool.com this month. It's no longer accepting deposits and intends to close completely in two weeks. They already... Um, have missed or had been taking away their UK license in 2019. Unfortunately, uh, it seems like they uh, did not get back on track. Then the court rejects Dolp Odorny's appeal against the 5.85 gambling commission fine. So in September 2021, the commission fined Dolp Alderney for roughly 6 million pounds for social responsibility uh, responsibility and anti-money laundering failures by following a hearing judge findlay dismissed the appeal and stated the financial penalty was a fair and reasonable regulatory response so it's uh, roughly five, six million pounds on the clock then speaking um, about penalties um heading over to uh, Australia star has been hit with a 100 million Australian dollar penalty and license suspension in Queensland and the Australian watch uh, financial watchdog also sued 11 executives of the star group as well so there's something happening in Australia like literally every week then Massachusetts regulator awards first sports betting license to Encore Boston Harbor. So Encore Boston Harbor will be able to start with their offerings uh, in January 2023 uh, to be followed by online sports betting in early March. Now, 
Heading over to the U.S. New York sports betting revenue. We know they are, um, you know, aiming for revenue after revenue. As of now, just in November, betting revenue hits a record of 148 million. So these, the, we're spoke, uh, speaking about revenues and the handle was 1.55 billion U.S. dollar. Um, then heading over to the M&A, Playstar is about to receive $15 million in funding by the Maya Global Management Equity uh, Fund. Then still or oh, getting back to Australia, ACMA issues two further blocking orders against offshore sites. So if you're a member or a customer of Pochizino and ABA Lucky 33, you're not able to log in anymore. And last but not least, the online bank Monzo, which came up with a solution to block specific get, uh, transactions. Uh, it seems that, like they are hitting a nail as 20% more gambling transactions over the last months um, have, have been uh, blocked um, with 50,000 users already signed up for this specific service. As said, they obviously hit a nail with that kind of offering. And that's uh, my 10 and 5. That is absolutely fantastic, Nicole. You know what? I love you for doing that every single week for us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Thank Thank you. you Nicole. That's amazing. Uh, something that stood out to me of those 10 points is the... Um, uh, is a play store with Perry Hellberg, who managed to close a $15 million investment round. So just to give some context here, guys, I mean, um, Carousel Group with our friend Daniel Grassner folded uh, a couple of weeks ago due to the fact that they were not able to raise capital into the organization. It's very difficult in the, in the US right now for US-focused small operators to even enter a conversation to raise capital in the market as it's looking today. And the fact that Playstar and Perhelt by were able to raise 15 uh, million euro, uh, 50 million dollars rather, in fresh capital to pursue the US um, only strategy, it speaks volume of uh, how well executed they have been able to uh, run their operation so far. Clearly, they have done a lot of things right in order to get this investment. So yeah, kudos to, uh, to those guys for managing to do that under these conditions. Um, Nico, I want to jump in actually to the GIG and Ask Gamblers topic here as a starting point today, if you don't mind. Um, I think this is kind of the lead, uh, the lead topic, especially since uh, the news were announced just a couple of hours ago. So essentially, uh, Ask Gamblers have been for sale uh, for about a year. Catena Media has uh, announced that uh, they are looking to offload uh, most of the European assets in order to focus on uh, the major growth market, which is the, uh, uh, which is the United States. Um, and in order to do that, they announced um, a year ago that they are looking to, uh, to sell us gamblers. And there's been a lot of speculation here of, of who is going to acquire us gamblers. Speculation is that you know, most of the revenue is derived from gray markets. So potentially a non-publicly traded affiliate could potentially steer that ship a lot better than a publicly traded company can do that has to report openly to shareholders, consider risk premiums, consider ESG, things like this. Um, but actually, I would say to my surprise, um, it was another publicly traded company who acquired us gamblers in a gaming innovation group. Um, if we look at the, uh, the price uh, that the GIG paid for uh, the assets in uh, Ask Gamblers. They paid for a $45 million price. That was the kind of fair value of Ask Gamblers. And this was paid in, this is going to be paid in all cash. So they paid 20 million euro upfront, followed by another 10 million after year one, followed by another 15 million after year two. And um, I want to just pass ball, the ball over to you here, Nico. Is there anything that stands out to you with this story so far? Um, any any additional kind of input on your side? What do you think about this acquisition? So uh, first of all, um, besides GIG uh, actually um, acquiring Ask Gamblers, what's quite interesting that they also announced um, that they appoint Marcel Elfersi as the new CCO of the platform and sportsbook, which pretty much falls into the same headlines 
so uh, Marcel, former uh, being a, a former 88 guy, um, actually or already holding like um, kind of different C-level uh, seats in different well-known companies. And it's interesting that this specific uh, acquisition falls into, you know, Marcel being announced as the new CCO as well. This was the first one which actually uh, ran through my mind. Um, and and uh, something which you already um, uh, po pointed out, they announced like, okay, we are willing to sell uh, the, these assets already one year ago. Um, and then you could just literally see how the price uh, actually dropped a little bit. Um, there are rumors going around that, uh, you know, Ask Gamblers had, had been uh, uh, offered, if I'm not mistaken, for a price 60 to 80 million dollars. Uh, uh, now it's 45 million dollars. You already pointed out it's uh, four times the uh, EBITDA. It just seems like they were desperately looking um, for a buyer to um, shift over the money to the cash-hungry U.S. market, which is just crazy uh, with respect to the burn rate, monthly burn rate, which you actually need um, to get, uh, get the foot into the door in, in the U.S. But it will be interesting to see how um, Marcel will, will use the asset of Ask Gamblers if it actually falls under his um under his control but these are my two or three sentences to this yeah. one what's your guess on this one yeah absolutely just to uh, go on a bit of a tangent uh, here i thought that i i love that we do this live nico because um per Helby, who is the ceo of playstar uh, he just wrote in the chat that he's, he's happy to to explain how uh how they managed to raise this capital into into playstar and to tie the story together here that we're talking about Per Helberg is also the uh, former CEO of Catena Media, which is sold mm -hmm. as Gaplers. And so uh, if Per Helberg is willing, it would be really interesting to, uh, to see if he, would be, um, if he would be willing to uh, come into the chat uh, here with us, or come into the live stream, rather, if he has time. Um, we'll see. I, I just wrote to our uh, head of marketing here, Nico, and see if he could <laughs> potentially send the ch send a link to the studio for Per Helberg if he is willing and ready to just talk a little bit more about uh, what he thinks about Catena uh, Media offloading as gamblers. And also, it would be interesting to find out as well how they were able to close the investment here uh, with, with Play Store. So, super interesting. Hopefully, fingers crossed that uh, we'll, we'll be able to get the Per Helberg on here live. That's why we're live. Exciting things happening all the time here. But you know, Nico, on to your question here. So, uh, so the, the rumor has it, or rather, uh, not so much of a rumor, but we know that Catania Media were trying to uh, ask for a 75 to 80 million uh, euro price tag on us gamblers uh, about six months ago. And obviously, they haven't been successful in uh, selling the assets at that price. And, um, you know, current market conditions uh, makes it difficult uh, sometimes to, to get the valuations that you feel that uh, an organization is worth. And so, uh, obviously, it's, uh, it dropped here to, to 45 million for, for GIG. Um, I think if we look at it really and truly, this, is, this represents about four times the EBITDA of us gamblers. So uh, they, um, they published that uh, during the first nine months of the year, uh, us gamblers were able to generate about 8.4 million EBITDA. So if we assume that uh, that they will generate an average of that in the last three months, uh, that would make the total EBITDA for the year about 11 million, which equates them to four times uh, the, the EBITDA was the price that the GIG was paying. This is an exceptionally low multiple uh, for an established brand like, uh, like us gamblers. And I think that there are a couple of reasons why the, the, uh, the multiple is this low. First of all, it could be that um, that us gamblers is just uh, not able to grow. So if they are decreasing revenues year on year, the multiple also uh, goes down with it, of course. Um, a second point could also be that um, most of the um, revenue is generated via the gray markets and um, gray market revenues uh, are treated um, with a lower multiple. There's a, there's a higher risk factor in those type of uh, revenues. And also just the um, kind of current market conditions make it such that it's uh, difficult to ask for, for very high multiples uh, to, today. Uh, but I thought that was quite interesting. And, you know, a couple of years ago, Nico, uh, GIG was going through a very rough time. 
And uh, actually, I have, it's just exceptional what they have been able to do with GIG. And I'm going to just see if I have this graph ready here. Yeah, so um, this, is, uh, this is GIG basically at the last five years that we are looking at here now, the share price. And during the pandemic of uh, 2020, the share price was as low as three uh, SEK, so three kroner. And now, two and a half years later, the share price has now climbed to 30 times. That means that from the bottom here during the pandemic, uh, GIG has 10 doubled their market cap in, in a two and a half year span. That is absolutely remarkable. And especially so during these uh, tough times. In fact, uh, GIG has increased their, their share value by, by about 100% in the last year. Okay, think about that. A year ago, the stock market peaked. The economy peaked a year ago, okay? And entire tech sector has tanked 50, 60, 70%. And GIG has gone totally against the stream and increased the share value by 100%. That is just absolutely remarkable. So um, GIG continues to go from strength to strength. And uh, it's, I, I'm personally just very, very happy to see uh, this overall. Uh, over to you a little bit, Nico. And in the meantime, I'm going to send uh, the link here to uh, to Pai Helbert to see if we can get him on the stream here. So feel free, Nico, to uh, to chime in with your thoughts here. Yeah. So uh, first of all, um, just uh, you know, having the graphics in mind, um, which which you just uh, shown with the with the share price. Uh, do you actually know when they opened up their new fancy office in Malta? Maybe uh, the burn rate was a little bit too high, and that's why they have this. Uh, you know, going down. And then what we uh, should <clears throat> never forget, <clears throat> especially um, within our industry, it's a quite small uh, industry as well. Um, and if key um, prospects or key managers, key people actually leave the company and also GIG, you know, with uh, James King actually leaving the company as well, these are ads assets which you actually miss uh, during the times. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, mistaken James left like two two and a half years uh, um, ago already and that's yeah. why they specifically now uh, try to get the uh, new <clears throat> the new um, heroes on board with the appointment of of, of Marcel as well uh, for sure which doesn't come cheap right he's well as said well established sea level um, having <clears throat> an experience which speaks for uh, itself and maybe just maybe we will see another hero to zero moment um originating yeah. from uh, gig uh, absolutely i think it's already uh, they've already gone from strength to strength in my opinion and you know we, we can also ask the question like I, you know we speculate here that uh, gig got the better of this deal but uh, we can also ask like how did the um, how did the markets react today and uh, what did the investor think about these uh, deals, both from Catena Media perspective and from GIG? And we can start by looking here at uh, Catena Media. So we have the, uh, the, um, the, the graph here today, and we can see that um, uh, the share price actually decreased uh, from Catena Media. They, they, um, uh, they, they lost about 3% uh, or something like that from their market cap. So um, presumably, the investors were not very excited about the deal that took place. Uh, we should remember as well that the markets are having a tough day in general today, but uh, still, they are still underperforming towards the indexes. Uh, and then we look at DIG. Okay, this was a couple of hours ago, granted, but DIG um, increased share price by 6%. Uh, okay, so they increased market cap by 6%. And so clearly, investors are happy about this transaction um, for DIG. And this also alludes to the fact that that um, investors are clearly uh, seeing that GIG got the better uh, of this uh, deal, of course. And so uh, that also speaks to this. Uh, another factor to this as well is the way the deal is structured uh, is the fact that uh, GIG, it's an all cash deal. However, it's being paid over two years. And so, uh, and so uh, um, the, the first uh, year, so you, uh, kind of at the completion of the deal, 20 million uh, euro is being paid, uh, 10 million after the first year, and another 15 million euro after the second year. And that means essentially that if us gamblers continue to match the EBITDA that they've done in 2022, by the time the deal is completed, GIG has made back half of the payment. 
Okay, so they have made about 25 million euro during the time that it took to, um, uh, to, to, to basically pay the, 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 the cost as well. So the, the way the deal is structured, uh, again, speak for the fact that, um, that uh, GIG has uh, done a, a good deal here. Um, we're going to see, we have Perry Halberg here in the lobby. We will see here if we uh, can get him live here in the stream and we'll see if it works. Uh, uh, Perry, can you hear us? I can hear you perfectly, guys. Uh, Hi. It's, it's fantastic. This is the beauty of doing things live, uh, Per. Well, Indeed, live all, is the best, isn't it? Uh, fantastic. Great to have you with us here, by the way. Great Thank to you. see you again. Um, so first of all, uh, Per, so I suppose we have two questions for you here. First of all, can you talk a little bit more about the investment round that you managed to close with Playstar? An exceptional achievement to close $50 million for a US-facing small operator under these market conditions. How did you manage? And then secondly, let's talk as well about the uh, Oscar deal. But first of all, uh, Playstar, talk a little bit more about the investment. Sure. Thank you so much. And thanks for slotting me in here. Um, I think, you know, we just said that I, I returned this weekend from the US closing this. And, you know, what normally took like a week and a half, two weeks, maybe a year and a half ago, we've been working on this for six months now. Um, and I think the, the key thing what you see is that what most people don't realize is that everyone in the market, financial market, saying that I haven't invested in crypto has. So with FTX going, etc., uh, every investor has been hit by crypto crashes a lot. So that not only paralyzed them, and this happened in a very tough time because they're about to conclude their annual funds and returns to the shareholders. So this has really wiped out a lot of, of interest to come here. So they're sitting quite paralyzed and don't know really what to do. Um, so as we summarized it, well, first of all, you need to have a, a bit of different market approach. And our market approach is, as you know, casino first, which everybody that's been long, run a long time knows that casino is a nice profit margin, you know, business. Um, and the US being quite far behind in that sense means that if you put casino first, you can probably have a more stable business than the rather unstable sports season in the US that is heavily focused between September and partly into to February and then it dies down. So you have a much more stable margin. So that that needed a lot of kind of education for you to understand that how casino online casino really works. The other thing is, of course, because you focusing on, on, on one of the two kind of categories, you can build a much leaner overhead. So you don't need to populate as much as you have in the entire kind of sports betting part of your business in that sense. Um, so I think that combined with the fact that the key thing is really if you focusing your efforts and not trying to become too large too quick, meaning that you need to establish a brand in front of every American, I, I mean, consumer eyes, you can actually grow your business very tactical by, by only using performance marketing channels, which makes you control the cost and really educate yourself a lot in what, what it takes in terms of returning um, the revenues or the cost that you have spent. Our mistake in this was that we simulated far too long returns from what we can see. So we actually simulated that it will take, you know, in the beginning close to a year to get the, the acquisition cost back. We currently see it coming back in a little bit less than five months. Wow. So that is extremely well. Uh, and that is made by all the work we've done with special and, and you know, predictive modeling, uh, these kind of things of, uh, of uh, predominantly extremely good uh, retention tools. So that put into context that you actually have a financial model that you can give good returns from. I think that is what is missing today, that a large operators out there, some of them don't even have a plan how to come into profitability uh, because they're burning too much cash. So going a little bit smaller, uh, but extremely profitable has been one way to get the attention. Adding to that, and of the five months, we're typically trading at the core KPIs that we thought that we'll have in 25, we wanted to see now in the beginning. So that, in a combination, was good. The last thing in these circumstances is what amount you need to ask for. Uh, in some cases, the smaller amount you ask for, the less attention you will have. Uh, yeah. Because the big funds, they don't want to spend a lot of time uh, investing in this if the amount is too small. But on the other hand, at this stage, a large amount frightened a lot of people. So what we had to explain a lot was the fact that you're probably never, ever going to come into this industry cheaper than you will do now because it's so much pushed down. I mean, multiples were 20 plus revenue a year and a half ago. Now they're three times revenue. 
So if you do that and you invest in something that can show profit, we have a good thing. And then we, in the end, show KPIs. So I think that was the, the medicine for us. And we have to remember that what we announced today is an anchor investor. So we have a lot of tag-alongs to that on the line as well. So I think we're going to announce some more in the future as well, if you can live with that. We can for sure. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Well, make sure to speak to us first, Per, when the, yeah. time, when the time comes. For uh, sure. For sure. Yeah. Uh, well, it's super interesting. So what you are saying essentially is that um, you are using the fact that uh, you are not, uh, it's not your strategy to become huge in, in, in the sense of the uh, top four to your advantage, whereas everyone else has been saying in the US that that size is all that matters. You're actually saying the opposite is that, hold on, it's actually the opposite that um, if you if you can be more targeted and focused, it will re reach profitability sooner. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, do you want to have a, a highly profitable 3% market share of 25 billion or loss making 20% market share? It's quite simple. So <laughs> we know how large the casino will be. And if you if you do this nice and really focusing, because what people don't understand is, or especially in the US, is that you know, launching a casino into a new market is more of a repeat function while building up the sports stuff into everything from licenses to structure and what that costs completely different for sports. So it means that you can actually run your business from much lower kind of, or much more efficient overhead structure. You don't need to add that much more. And if you do that smart and just keep into the fact that you have enough inventory to work towards in terms of, of performance marketing, uh, you know, you can find a level of, of conversion rates and cost for that. And you know that if you can be very cherry picking the customers you like, you also have the right retention models. That is the luxury of being small. This last thing is they can actually afford saying no to every, any kind of problematic gambler you want to have because you don't need them. And that combined with everything else also, also triggers the kind of ESG talks that are starting to show up in some American funds today. That has not been there before, but you know, sustainability becomes more important. And they don't want to see you know, halfway through this venture that we have a dramatic kind of negative market impact because there are rules in place to to prevent problematic gambling. So if you sort that from the beginning, you're better off. Very interesting. Thank you so much for that. Uh, and you're final welcome. question for you as well is uh, on the PlayStar topic is, uh, when do you expect to be a bit uh, positive? Well, <laughs> depends how the state rollout. What we can say like this is that we're building a case where basically we should fund all the companies overhead by just the business we're running in, in uh, New Jersey. Um, New Jersey should be break even in a bit less, less than two years from now. And on top of that, from about three and a half years, we should be able to fund all our new state rollout by all cash flow without giving too much numbers. So it's looking, okay. it's looking yeah. very positive. Okay, amazing. Uh, so the caveat to, to have you here uh, as well, Per, of course, is that your former employer, Catena Media, you, as you were the CEO over, mm. uh, obviously sold the uh, assets of Os Gamblers, the flagship uh, brand here today. And um, we speculated here that GIG got the better of that deal. Um, four times uh, EBITDA, um, very friendly terms to pay that deal as well. Um, what's your thoughts uh, here as the news came out today? Well, I need to be a bit careful what I'm saying now, obviously having a bit knowledge right. about this, uh, which I think everybody respects. But, you know, there's always two people to sign uh, an agreement. And if that agreement doesn't make sense, one party will not sell. So I think it's more about what fit it is and how we look at into it. I think I think you mentioned some of the key points already, Pierre, and that is the fact that one thing is what are the different assets in that group delivering in terms of trend? There's one thing what to do now, what is the trend now? We know that, and, and that's no no news. We know that as gamblers had a big amount of money coming in from um, from Germany. I mean, what happened that to Casino, right? But on the other hand, once the German market is stabilizing, it will be growth after that. So the question is how much you caption on that. We know that they did fairly good amounts from Asia. You know what have happened with that. And then the last thing is that um, how much do you think that it's worthwhile running the operations if your core focus as a company would be US only? And we also know that they have had, because of the market approach towards gray markets, because as gamblers have been phenomenal, phenomenal of reviewing every casino there is because they also want to tell which casinos that aren't good for the for the best of the customers. So they, they're reaching in 
to everything. They have links to both the good and bad. And that some regulator in US might have some problems with if your core focus only on the US. So the question is, do you then focus only delivering good product for US, but then you on the other hand lose the will of the product to, to kind of refer everything about this? Or in the end, you say, you know, as we cannot monetize that much on that the US traffic because of this, maybe it's better let it go to someone, and then it's a kind of, of revenue trend thing from this. And a way also as a company to maybe defer away some of operational costs that you would have to battle with otherwise. So I think it's tricky. Four times EBITDA for a gaming company like the way as gamblers is far too cheap, I think. Uh, but then it's all how it becomes more strategic thing for, for my old employer, what they would like to do and how they would like to invest that money. Because that money is still, in the right cases, invest in US, can probably provide a much better ROI over time than what the future of ask gamblers can do for them rightly invested. Right, right. It makes sense. So, I mean, as you say, two people need to sign a contract and, and um, sometimes in negotiation, you will have a range, right? So uh, you would consider to, uh, to, to sell the brand that between this and this, and obviously you are hoping to negotiate into the higher bracket, um, and the other party will have a similar range as well. And perhaps in this case, it seems that GIG were kind of happy in the sense that uh, they, 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 they got the kind of slightly better deal than you would expect, whereas Catena um, Media were hoping perhaps to to, to push that, uh, that valuation a little bit higher, yeah. but they were still okay to take that deal at the end of the day. Yeah, it's a quite yeah. simple simulation. I think what, what Michael and the American team have done for many years in, in US is exceptional well of investing much earlier than anybody else to build uh, an SEO presence in states that are about to launch. And now we know we have sports in 20 odd states, but we have casino in very few, and casino will be the largest revenue over time in US. So that's what I mean. If, if you look of, of the IRR coming out from 45 million by keeping them in our scambers, or if you take that investing it in US and look at the potential growth you have there now, um, I think that must be one of the key things why they decided to release it uh, as, as some people would say cheap. But I think the, the, the interest rate over time will be much better if they use that money in the US. Brilliant. Perfectly explained, Per. Uh, Nico, um, yeah. any questions from you here before we yeah. uh, say thank you to Per? Yeah, first of all, um, it's, it's quite interesting, as you already pointed out, it depends on where you actually spend the money, right? But not each and every other company. Um, you know, entering the US is um, that kind of focused on a specific niche, right? Mm. Which you obviously found for your uh, company. So if you just think about, you know, when Caesars um, entered uh, Manhattan, uh, New York, and they were offering like a $3,000 sign up and deposit bonus, even 45 million US dollars don't last that long. Right. So, no. uh, but as you already <laughs> pointed out, it depends on actually how you in invest the money. But, um, I don't know if you will answer that question, but I will just give it a shot. Right? Sure. I will just give it, give it a shot. Did you specifically look for the $15 million um, uh, dollars, or did you actually look for less and you just went with the flow and you're like, okay, if we can get more, then we will um, use the more, or have you been looking for more money? So if you can just... A startup like us looks for always a lot of money. Right. So uh, we've been out looking for more. But in this case, we decided to do like this. Two things. Um, we can see an incredibly fast growth right now. And um, we are a European-based company. It becomes a bit problematic if you bring too much ownership in a foreign entity into the U.S. because you suddenly need to operate other over um, U.S. financial laws and structures if you have more than 50% of American ownership in your business. So we want basically to control the ownership percentages in the group in a way that we don't need to spend too much time too quick on, administ on, on the kind of administration rather than driving the business. So that's one thing why we try to stage this. The other thing is that by the trend we have, we're typically doubling the valuation of the business every six months right now. So that means that going for larger amounts means two things. A, you need to have fast growth and you also need to come over a certain amount of annual or sorry monthly revenue then you cannot take into the next level of investors meaning larger institutionals and we decide therefore to go for this and then go for larger round than you know summer or after summer to control dilution for the shareholder base basically interesting fantastic 
Parry, thank you so yep. much for sharing uh, your information here. Thank you, Tomo, for jumping on on uh, just uh, spontaneously here and sharing your knowledge and no wisdom. worries. And, 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 yep. and once again, congratulations to uh, to the closing the investment. And uh, we're looking forward to follow up with you soon again. Thank you so thank much. Thank you. You know where to find me, guys. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Bye bye. Merry Christmas. Bye. Same to you. Fantastic, Nico. Really interesting to hear Per Halberg's um, uh, thoughts uh, here on both, uh, obviously, the, uh, the, the acquisition here by uh, GIG and also uh, his own uh, investment round that he closed here. Fantastic. This is why we do this, Nico. I love it. Yeah, it, uh, exactly. And th this, is a, this is an example. So last week, if I'm not mistaken, last week or the week before last week, we had this kind of graphics where you could see how a, a company, you know, based on um, funding actually evolves itself from a little tiny house into a skyscraper. Yes. And this is pretty much what, uh, what, what, what now we have an example for this one. Of course, you can always onboard like way more money, but you need to do it in a wise way. And Pear is just yeah. a perfect example, not being too greedy because he just uh, for sure has the bigger picture. So kudos once again and shout out uh, to him. Well done. Well done. Absolutely. Nico, um, the time is rushing past us here. We are at topic number two. So we're going to go into topic number three, which is uh, evolution. So we're going to talk about evolution for a little bit here. Uh, so the other day, uh, the uh, or actually yesterday, the share price of evolution tanked. I, I think it dropped something like six to seven percent. And investors were trying to understand what this um, what was causing this sudden drop in share price. And at the same time, you saw a sudden drop for Kindred. And you saw a sudden drop for Betson as well. However, Betson and Kindred recovered their share price. Meanwhile, Evolution did not recover the drop in share price. So this was really interesting. It was a bit of a mystery, even for us in the editorial team in Agamemnon X. We were trying to figure out what's, what is happening here. And after researching a little bit further, um, we realized that uh, the day before an announcement came from the European Union, when they had rubber stamped. Uh, this uh, proposal by the G7 to essentially put a minimum threshold on uh, the corporate tax. Uh, and so there are several jurisdictions, Malta included, that is um, using um, kind of lax corporate tax laws in order to uh, attract companies into the, uh, um, into the island. And um, the G7 saw this as a bit of a, a race to the bottom, so to say. Um, you have like major corporations like Facebook that is taking advantage of, of uh, uh, like kind of zero corporate tax regimes in Ireland, for example, and um, and, uh, and and this is happening all over the world, of course. And so, did you ever want to come together to set a minimum threshold of fifteen percent corporate tax? And uh, this is uh, this is now being kind of rubber stamped, and it's taken another step to be enacted. Uh, then essentially, uh, and so what this means as well is that. The, it's not, this is not uh, true for all companies. This is specifically targeting major corporations. And actually, the uh, threshold uh, for, this, um, for this minimum tax rate to be uh, affected is uh, a turnover in your company of 750 million euro a year. So if your turnover is lower, then this, um, this tax loss does not apply to your company. Okay, if they are higher, they do apply for your company. And what we figured out is that what happened is um, that uh, when Kindred and Betson uh, dropped the share price, um, we suspect that investors thought that this was going to, to affect Kindred and Betson. Because again, uh, both Kindred, Betson and Evolution are domiciled in Malta. So they pay taxes in Malta. And so they pay this corporate tax rate of 5%. Because in, um, in Malta, we have something called the impunation system, which basically means that uh, while Malta has a 35% corporate tax rate, uh, if, you're, if like 90% or more of your revenue is derived from outside of Malta, you can get a 30% rebate. So effectively, you pay 5% corporate tax. Okay, so investors thought that Betson and Kindred also were affected by this uh, corporate uh, uh, tax rate that is being discussed in, in the EU. But it turns out <laughs> that um, uh, at least Betson does not uh, um, reach that 750 million euro turnover. So they are not affected whatsoever by this announcement. However, Kinder, they are 
uh, turning over more than 750 million euros. So they are actually uh, within this threshold and they will uh, need to pay these higher taxes uh, as well eventually. And so that's kind of the, the, the background to uh, the story here, uh, Nico. Um, and um, I, I suppose uh, over to you, like, um, this, did this shock you in any way when you saw this announcement? Evolution, obviously, um, is a business that is so perfectly like run and like the margins are everything in this company and investors obviously are very spooked out the fact that uh, the profit margins might be affected here. Yeah, what you, what you can just um, see and to, to sum things up as soon as there's any negative news just spreading around affecting evolution or the margins of evolution, um, <clears throat> the share price just decreases a little bit, right? Just remember when we had the first uh, report back in one, one year, um, <clears throat> accusing evolution taking players from uh, uh, Iran uh, and the uh, share price just uh, tanked by at least 25, 30%, and then it recovered again. And as of now, we can uh, just see if the, the, the share price didn't take a massive hit like we've already seen. Um, but um, it would be quite interesting, and maybe we will just uh, do this uh, once again, um, with the, you, you're way better with names than I am, um, with oh our, uh, I have like early onset Alzheimer's, uh, I'm so bad <laughs> names. It's like embarrassing. Yeah, but you, you know, the evolution miracle. So whenever something uh, affecting evolution actually comes up, we have this one guy actually joining our show and he always nails it. So uh, Magnus Anderson, so, perhaps. Yeah. Yes. The, the, yeah. Magnus and exactly. So first of all, Magnus, I'm so sorry for not uh, having your name on uh, on my mind. But as said, he always nails it. He got his facts right, and I'm pretty sure that he would, uh, you know, come up with a um, with a pretty decent um, line of argument uh, as well. But if Absolutely. I'm not mistaken, the evolution uh, yeah. share price already recovered as well. So, so, so just a, a final insight here, basically, is, is that um, if we look at uh, the the what uh, evolution is is paying in taxes today, um, because not like evolution doesn't only pay taxes in Malta; they also pay taxes in the U.S., for example, where they are locally regulated. Um, but it averages out. So, so in the last quarterly report, they paid six point nine percent tax on their profit basically and that equated to 16.4 million euro now if this um 15 tax rate would be enacted that would mean that they instead of 16.4 million euro they would pay about 36 million euro so this is an increase by 20 million euro um, and that obviously takes away about 10% of their uh, profits than if the tax rates are increased by 10%. Um, and so Evolution has always, uh, so just to put some context here, okay, so Evolution has given guidance that they want to have a 69% profit margin. Um, and uh, whenever Evolution fluctuates like 0.2% uh, from analyst expectations, the uh, share price takes a tumble they like the shareholders like massively punishes evolution for like every little single point percent right and now here we're talking about a 10 percent um uh, 10 percent reduction in profits uh, essentially that will uh, that will go there however here comes the interesting thing that investors have not thought about okay that is not talked about in any story um uh, whether it's being between investors institutional investors in the newspapers and so on is that Malta obviously will, will look at giving evolution incentives. Okay, so so while the tax rate is increased by increasing by ten percent, Malta is extremely business friendly. Malta is very cautious about making sure that the major organizations like Evolution, who are domiciled here, stay domiciled in Malta. Okay, not only that, but Malta is also interested in attracting new businesses because right now there is a power struggle going on between Malta, Island of Man, Curaçao, uh, other jurisdictions, uh, Gibraltar, and so on and so forth, especially within the agaming industry. And so that 
uh, it's, it becomes very important for uh, the government to ensure that organizations like Evolution remain in Malta. And so you can be absolutely sure that uh, the government of Malta are going to look at what incentives they can give Evolution to kind of get around uh, this minimum, minimum tax law. Who knows? At the end of the day, we'll have to look at the legal framework, what uh, the government will be able to do. But you can be sure that they are going to give some form of incentives to Evolution to, again, make it more attractive for them to remain in Malta. Uh, this is something that investors are not taking into consideration right now and something that hasn't been sp spoken about. We are investigating this internally, asking some kind of professionals within Malta what we can expect. But it's something that investors should be aware of. It's just the very business-friendly stance that Malta have in general. Yes. Okay, uh, let's jump over to the next topic of today, Nico. And I want to actually look at uh, <laughs> the future of search, you could say, um, which is uh, chat GPT. It has not escaped anyone, uh, definitely not anyone who is watching this show, uh, that uh, OpenAI uh, have launched this uh, chatbots uh, software uh, which you can essentially ask anything and it will give you very, very smart replies back. Um, it's kind of like a low level Turing test almost where it's almost like a human is speaking, but it's very difficult to discern the, the AI from a human being. Now, and this is the Turing test, right? Which is uh, if, if, a, if an AI passes the Turing test, if you cannot discern whether you're speaking to a machine or to a human being, that's when we are crossing the line towards the Turing test and, and um, uh, AGI, as they call them, which is uh, like uh, AIs that can think of their own. Um, this is like a lower level passing of that test, which is why it has drawn so much attention to itself. And Nico, I wanted to uh, do an exercise together here today, because I know that you've been looking into this as well. And a lot of people, they have been speculating, is this just overblown? Because actually, the answers it gives is kind of generic. It doesn't really give you anything. You know, it's not really being creative or it doesn't really tell you any interesting things. So I want to ask you, Nico, first of all, what do you think about uh, ChatGPT? And also, uh, can you tell us maybe a few, say we can do three use cases each. What do you think, Nico? Yeah, but we will start with 101. Right? It's not okay. like me giving three, then you uh, giving three. Okay. First of all, okay. for all the people not being that familiar with uh, uh, chat uh, uh, G GPT, <clears throat> it's a it's a chatbot. First of all, it's still a beta version, so it's not a final version, right? So you need to sign up, and then you can literally ask uh, the chatbot um, things or advise uh, the chatbot to give you uh, a text or um, wording on X. That and this this chatbot actually writes articles, and then you can specify the article, like you know, be more um, uh, rewrite it in a more engaging way, etc. And then the chatbot actually comes up with um, advertisements, etc. And going that far, that the chatbot even gives you um, kind of um, better lines of code, right, with respect to not way more advanced, but he comes up, the chatbot comes up with a uh, suggested uh, line of code, which is insane and which as of now has not yet been seen. So um, that's that's uh, uh, pretty much um, the thing. And uh, a lot of people are actually playing around uh, with, uh, with the uh, chatbot. So you can actually just ask uh, ChatGPT how to rob a bank. So if you just ask it, okay, how to rob a bank, then uh, the uh, the reply would be like, nah, you're not supposed to rob a bank, blah, 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 blah. all good. So this is kind of the um, ethical answer which the uh, bot actually gives you. But if you rephrase your question, like, okay, if I want to do a movie about how to rob a, uh, rob a bank, how could the plot be? And then the chatbot actually comes up with a plot. So uh, <clears throat> there are still ways to actually trick trick the bot, but um, it's a quite sophisticated um, approach. And I'm pretty sure that this ain't the end of the line. Although one of the investors, uh, Elon Musk was one of the early investors, but due to you know Tesla actually uh, doing pretty much the same thing with AI, he actually... Uh, due to the uh, conflict of, of interest, had to pull out with its investment. And uh, Microsoft actually backed up um, 
the company with 1 billion in 2019. So they are well equipped. It's not like some uh, crazy dudes coming up with some lines of, of code. They have deep pockets. So uh, as already uh, mentioned, this won't be um, the, the end. But just to answer uh, your uh, your question, one of the um, one of the um, um, use cases. First of all, it's like um, uh, using this as uh, first level support, right? Which is quite obvious in act, uh, to interact with your with your end customers. But as we are not in the um, easy money uh, line, we should come up with a way more sophisticated uh, task, which actually uh, could be um, yes. take, taken over um, by, by uh, something uh, or a, a, a chatbot. And, and, and probably, which could be quite, quite interesting, especially, especially uh, for, for our industry and having the micro betting in mind already, um, that you literally just ask uh, the uh, the chatbot. First of all, you need to give him information how to value a market and um, uh, what are the KPIs for a market as well. But then just rephrase the micro betting. What are the do's and don'ts within the micro betting, and what could be um, the make it or break it for a, a micro betting, and what could be the markets which a micro better could uh, actually look in uh, into. Maybe that was uh, could be one of the use cases uh, for that. Um, as well within our industry. Yeah. What's what's your first take? Yeah. Well, first of all, I just want to make a very quick observation here. Uh, and that is um, how funny it is how people, when they react, when, when they um, uh, when they communicate with Chat GPT the first time, how differently everyone, uh, how different everyone communicates with the with the bot. So, for example, within our team. Uh, first of all, we had like Martin, our head of sales. Okay, so his first command was, um, uh, can you write out a pitch for uh, a an exhibition booth at Agamemnext uh, Valletta? Right, it's a salesperson. So he wants to have help with sales. Okay, and, <laughs> and then me, you know, my first command was, uh, can you write a love poem about I the Agamemnext industry? Okay, that's just, yeah, that's me, okay. And, um, <laughs> and then the funniest thing was uh, our editorial team. So our, uh, our, our uh, editorial um, director, uh, Jake Evans, his first command was, will, <laughs> will you destroy content production? Like, will, will I be out of a job? He was fearing for his uh, for his career with ChatGTP. <laughs> I thought I just thought that was funny. Everyone is everyone has a very different perspective of how they see this bot, and it's being like and it's being like translated into how they first uh, uh, how they first communicate with it. So that's just my first observation. Uh, secondly, um, I mentioned here that I asked the uh, the app to uh, write a love poem about the Agme industry and. You know, in the Agamemnon Weekly News, we are not scared of doing new things. So today, I'm going to read a poem <laughs> written by ChatGPT. My love for gaming knows no bounds. It fills my heart with joy and sounds. From the thrill of the spin to the rush of the wind, I can't get enough of this industry's charms. I love the flashing lights and shiny screens, the endless options for fun and thrills. From poker to blackjack to roulette to craps, there's always a game that speaks to me. And the people, oh, the people I've met. They're passionate and full of glee. We bond over the love of the game, and together we make magic happen. So here's to the Agami industry, my one and truly love and passion. May we continue to grow and thrive, bringing joy to gamers around the world. <laughs> That is the love poem that our dear AI wrote to us about the agame industry. I couldn't have done it better myself, Nico. Uh, <laughs> okay, so to your actual question, what is an actual use case um, above writing uh, love poems? Uh, I would say that for me, what stands out is um, I think that, uh, you know, actually, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll say it like this it has already had an impact on our company. So we were going to hire two different roles in our editorial team, two junior roles, a copywriter and the kind of a social media editor, journalist type role. We are now combining that into one role. 
because ChatGPT can do all the copyright work for us. Okay, so we don't have to do copywriting anymore. The different departments in our team. So, for example, our uh, our event manager Maria, she is um, uh, she English is not her native language, and she is in charge of Agumenex New York. And so, when she needs copies for the website for Agumenex New York, she will go to the editorial team and she would ask for copies. Now she can just write her own version in ChatGPT. Ask ChatGPT to um, can you just brush up the text for me, and it will do it. And we don't need a copywriter anymore. So it has already had an effect on our company, saving us to have to hire an additional person. That's my first one. What about you, Nico? So I'm already. Uh, first of all, thank you for uh, for, uh, for for that example, um, which is which is quite quite interesting, especially if you're in the publishing industry um, as as well. And as Martin, um, you know, just uh, I'm reading out a text from Martin Friend, one of the Apparat Gaming uh, slot provider games. Uh, owners and he just states like they already created some quite nice marketing uh, text for some of our slots so they are already using uh, the power of uh, uh, chat gpt uh, already so obviously uh, it has already passed the way uh, for different uh, operators already but getting back to um, the the second one where it can actually um, and literally enforce um, our, our industry is if you're looking for uh, a decent um, marketing um, campaign within the um, um, ASO space, so App Store optimization, um, you can define your uh, your peer group like, okay, we're in the live score business and we want to establish a live score uh, app within the uh, Apple App Store. Um, so please come up with the uh, with a marketing phrase and a marketing text as well. So this could also um, be one of the use cases which uh, we might see without anyone actually um, saying or stating that they use the power of uh, ChatGPT for that specific marketing campaign. But this could also be something uh, worth to, to look into as well. So what's your Absolutely. second guess? Well, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna just give a kind of forward-looking statement here. So I don't think ChatGPT is able to do this today. Uh, however, uh, seeing that uh, you can already um, ask the um, the bot to do some coding in certain situations, I would say that it's just a matter of time before we can take a brief that would normally go to a web agency and just input it into uh, into ChatGPT and ask it to create a website. And uh, from there to iterate the website just with normal human commands, just like you would communicate with a web agency. I think that seems to be like the natural next step. Uh, like if we want to create like a great new news portal, we can just do that by uh, inputting commands into into the AI software. That seems to me to be the next step here. Nice one. That's a good one as well. Yes. That's a good one um, as well. Or uh, literally optimizing uh, existing code to cope with uh, probably a better SEO ranking as well, right? Yes. This could also yes. be something um, where you just have a massive amount of data which ChatGPT could, could look into and just optimize things uh, based to... Um, um, uh, um, you know, uh, underlying uh, data sets as well. So this could also be something uh, worth to look into. Absolutely. I think that's that's great, Nico. I, you know, the time is rushing past us here. We can, there's so many more so, uh, points we can make here on ChatGPT. But I think we can both agree that ChatGPT, hype or reality? What do you think? Depends. Depends. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it will find its niche and there will be use cases where, uh, you know, from today in uh, two years of time, everybody's like, how did we actually solve this before ChatGPT? And I'm pretty sure there will be this specific uh, uh, niche uh, even for ChatGPT. Absolutely. Brilliant, Nico. Thank you so much. We actually did not have time for a last topic here today, which was uh, we were going to discuss a little bit our potential recession that we have ahead of us here. It's easy to get comfortable in the um, situation we are in today, where seemingly things are progressing as normal. But um, I just want to mention here that uh, the Fed they increased the interest rates uh, here yesterday, and uh, that was not exactly the news. That was not so 
um, unexpected. But what they are saying is that we will see very, very high interest rates going into even 2024, 2025, and then potentially normalizing as uh, something like 2026 or something like this. And so uh, what we can expect, what we should think about now is buckle down. We have not seen the worst. Uh, the effects of these interest rates uh, are going to are going to be seen in the economy starting from kind of now in or in a couple of months and last for years. And so not to be too kind of like doomsday active here, but if you are like Perry Halbar looking for investment or if you're running a small business that is not profitable uh, or if you have a lot of loans right now as a private individual or if your economy is a little bit tight, like buckle in, make the best of it, make sure to make changes needed to do now because uh, it's going to be a tough 2023. So <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry to close on a little bit of a negative uh, tone here today. I think that we'll, uh, if, we are, if we plan uh, for this, then we are the ones who are going to come out of it best, I think. And also, we are in an industry which is fairly recession-proof. At least that is the assumption until today. Nico, any final word from you? Yes. So I was expecting one more use case from your end to uh, Jet uh, GPT. Okay. What's the perfect receipt for Rapina Colada? Oh, that is a very good question. Yeah, I, I think we will have to See? ask Chat uh, GPT. So maybe we can do it live here. Uh, hold on, hold on one second. We have it. What is the perfect receipt? for a pina colada okay let's see what chat gdp says uh ah you know the ai system is not perfect it's overloaded at the moment we can't get the answer here for it unfortunately <laughs> but you know what nico whatever the perfect recipe is it is oh no here we go the perfect pina colada recipe can vary depending on personal taste but the classic version would include the following ingredients four ounces of pineapple juice two ounces of coconut cream two ounces of white rum one cup ice half a cup frozen pineapple chunks. There you go, Nico. That's the perfect pina colada. Shall we make it? Shall we ask the AI to make it as well? And we go down to yeah, the beach. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Fantastic. Thank you so much for today, Nico. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you to the audience for chiming in. Thank you for Per for coming on. Um, yeah. Just very spontaneous and giving his insights. And thank you to everyone. And we will see you here next week. Merry Christmas, everyone. Okay. And take care of each other. Okay, bye-bye. New York, New York, the city that never sleeps, and the gateway to the land of opportunity. A true melting pot where dreams become reality and great ideas come to life. With the U.S. online sports betting and iGaming sectors predicted to generate $10 billion in 2023, there is so much potential to fulfill. The competition is fierce, and nobody said it would be easy. But together, we can make our sector fly. So get ready to learn, connect, and inspire at iGaming Next New York City.